Well, good morning. Uh, again, uh, my name is Ron Dozier, the campus pastor here. I'm just delighted to be with you today in the second week of the sermon series that's entitled, uh, What's in a Name? And let me echo something that April said. Uh, looking forward to all of you uh, joining us at 5.30 today in the same space. And let's come and see and worship together and see what the Lord is going to do through his Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'm just excited about this series. Last week we were in Genesis. We're going to be back in Genesis today. Last week we uh, focused on a, a little uh, girl named Hagar, Egyptian slave girl, that from the lips of her uh, we discovered Elroy, the God who sees. And today we're going to discover something else unique and exciting about our God that speaks to his nature and speaks to his character. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 22. And, but before we turn there, in just a couple of minutes, a couple of things that we believe in leadership here, we believe that this is a library, not a book. There's 66 books, but unlike any library in the world, even greater than the Library of Congress from my hometown, D.C., this library is inspired, it's eternal, and it's true. So as a church, we do something that may seem a little odd. We lift it up. This is our way of saying that, and let me just say this, that we place ourselves under the authority of the word. But not, get this, not just in here, but out there when we leave and when we get home. Not just publicly, but privately. We come under the, the authority of the word of God. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> before I say anything else, let us go before the Lord in prayer. So, Lord, thank you so much for our opportunity that we can worship you collectively together. We thank you for your word that you provide that gives us a window into your heart, how much you love us and how much you care for us. But not only that, it provides us guidance, Lord, into doing and accomplishing your will. So we pray that you will do what no human instrument can do by themselves. May your Holy Spirit speak to the hearts of your people. May you plant seeds that will translate into some fruit, some 30, 50, even 100 falls. But everything we do, we do simply to glorify you. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Now allow me to preach with strength, demonstration of your spirit and power. For our faith doesn't rest in the wisdom of men or my wisdom, but it rests in your power because of your presence. We love you, Lord, and we lean on you. For us in Jesus' name, we pray that all who agree say together, amen and amen. Well, listen, anybody here ever taken a long trip? Yeah, well, my family and I, we take a, take a long trip, and inevitably a, a question is raised, usually from somebody sitting way in the back seat. They raise this question, you know what I'm going to ask, hey, are we, are we there yet? Because we're interested in closing the gap from where we are to where we want to be. And it doesn't really matter to us sometimes if our haste is hazardous. 
See, we, we're so determined to get what we desire from God that, oh, I'm sorry, to get what we desire, that even if God steps in with something different, we may consider that disastrous. Because don't we live, we live in a microwave society. We develop that microwave mentality that we want everything, what, quick, fast, and in a hurry, as opposed to being like a crock pot. Simply abiding in God. You remember like crock pot cooking? Amen. All the juices marinate there. Abiding in God. See, turning the timer over to him. I had the first service do this. Just do like this. Just turning the timer. Yeah, just turn, turn that timer over to him. It's in, it's, in, it's in his hands. Now, if I were to ask you a question, if I had like these little stickers that said, are we there yet? And we could place it upon something that we're waiting on God for. Where would you place that little sticker? Are we there yet? Okay, so I'll tell you where I place mine. I place it on being an empty nester. Yeah, there you are. Let me, yeah. <laughs> are, we, are we there yet? And men, you know what I'm talking about. Um, women, you may know this too. I place it on getting to that optimal weight. For me, that's, yeah, there you are. That's 180. Let me just put it right there. Uh, what's yours? Just call it out. Anybody uh, <laughs> listening? Well, yeah, yeah. Are we, <laughs> are we there yet? Or even, now, now hold that thought. Now, what if I was to ask God on your behalf? God, what? What is this something that you're waiting for from us? And I could put that, that same sticker. You know, take a step of faith in God's direction you're waiting for. Where would you, God, where would you have me put that sticker on our lives? And everybody got quiet. But where would we, where would we put it? Are we, are we there yet? You see, because I've discovered there's joy and there's excitement when we receive what we've been waiting for. Anybody was waiting for something for a long time and you receive it? There's joy and there's excitement to, to just receive it. That's why I'm so excited about our passage this morning from Genesis chapter 22 that we're going to be looking at today. It's full of so much drama, intrigue, and suspense. and man, I mean, you can feel the tension. That's going on there in the text. So turn with me to Genesis 22, and let me read the first two verses to you. It says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. See, Abraham longed for the fulfillment of the promise of the son. And finally, look, 25 years had passed since Abraham's initial call and then the receiving of his son, Isaac, and finally he had this miracle baby. He had 
Isaac that was here, no, no doubt this command pierced Abraham's heart. He said, give me Isaac. The text says, whom you what? Whom you love. Now, if, if I'm not saying my kids, I'm just saying somebody's kids. If it was somebody you wouldn't mind giving up, it wouldn't have been much of a test. Amen? But we love our kids, so it was, it was, a, it was a test. Give me your only son, meaning the son of the promise, meaning the one whom you love, the one through whom God would make a great nation who would be Israel, the, the same nation where all the earth would be blessed through them. What a dilemma for Abraham. You feel the tension that's going on there in the text. Think about this. The promise of God required that Isaac live. But the command of God requires that Isaac die. And there Abraham is with, with such a dilemma. I, I imagine while reading it that Abraham just holding on to what he had been waiting for all this time. And God, what, are you, what in the world are you asking me to do? I've been waiting. God, what are you wanting? And as I was reading it, 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 it see, because when we take possession of what we've been waiting for and we're holding on to it, it's like a mental shift happens. We begin to channel our, our inner childhood. We begin to call up some things that testify about our toddler years. You say, what are you talking about? Now, take a little toddler, and you put all their things down there, and then here comes another little child. The child comes up, and they try to reach in. You, you feeling what's getting ready to happen? And they turn around, and they say, well, that's mine. Has that ever happened? That, that, that's my stuff. Say that with me. That's mine. Come on, y'all. Come on now. That's mine. We're going somewhere with this. That's, that's mine. Think about something that you, that's yours. That, that's my house. That's my dream. That's my opportunity. That's my spouse. And all of that very well may be true, but if it's, if it's like anything like me, sometimes when we're gathering in our living room and we're trying to decide on what programming to watch and somebody comes with, up with an idea that I'm not particularly interested in watching on the set, you know what comes out for me? That's my remote. <laughs> control the channels. And the reality is, even though sometimes we don't want to admit it, it's that sense of control. It's that, it's that, that's mine. And our behavior suggests that. But the, the pastor says it was a test. There's something that we need to know about tests, which is different than temptations. The pastor said that God tested Abraham. What that means is God will test us. But listen to the distinction and the difference. You can read about that in James chapter 1. When God tests us, it's designed for our development. Everybody say development. It's for our good. God will do that. He'll, he'll test us because he's trying to 
show us something. He's trying to reveal something, but it's designed is for our good. Now, temptation is something altogether different. That's an invitation that originates from Satan. See, God development, Satan destruction. He sends an invitation to get us to disobey God so that we can sin and it'll, it'll, it'll mess us up. But the passage says it was a test so, so that we're, we're clear about what's happening here in the test. See, testing helps to uncover our true motives. It helps to reveal, bring to the surface some things that are invisible and we, we think are private. It, it, it brings them to the forefront so that we have to reconcile those things with God. It, it, it reveals our motives. It clarifies our deep loyalties and it encourages our true faith. You see, it can strip us from self-sufficiency so that we have to lean into God dependency. Have you ever been at a crossroads where you got to make a decision and when you do an inventory, you determine only God can do this. Only God can make can make a difference. It, it, was, it was a test. And although Abraham, God provided Abraham with Isaac, check this out. God had more. God knew how Abraham was going to respond to the test, but Abraham would discover something about himself and something about God that has echoed from this passage all the way down through the centuries that we allow our faith to rest in. It was a test of devotion. See, because whatever you treasure, whatever you treasure, whatever you said, that's mine. Whatever you treasure, let me encourage you to turn it over. Turn it over to God. And I realize how challenging that can be. It's counterintuitive to hold loosely the things that we love. See, in our flesh, we want to cling and hold it tightly and hold, and hold on to it. We white-knuckle or hold tightly to our dreams and opportunity, the things that we have. But letting go allows us to let God be in control. And we begin to align our will with his. But then there's more. Let me read verses 3 through 5. Listen to this. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. <clears throat> when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. See, the journey, do you, do you feel the tension in the text? But it says Abraham got up early the next morning. And the destination that God had determined, it was three days. 
And outwardly, geographically, you see Abraham taking those steps towards where God told him to go. But internally, there was an invisible step that Abraham was taking by faith. I asked you, remember, what was God if he said, uh, are we there yet? What steps of faith that we are taking in that direction? That's what Abraham was doing. He was taking a step where God told him to, moving forward in that direction, forever linking him with us because we also are those who take steps of faith in a direction that God is leading us in. You see, I knew that God would send me to a church that in looks like in history what God is going to do in eternity. Because in eternity, there's going to be all these people gathered around, different tribes, nations, and tongues. But he said, let's, let's do in history what I'm going to do in eternity. Because I want you to look like in history what you're looking for in eternity. So you're going to be walking towards that which I'm going to be doing so that you are modeling what I can do in the in the here and in the now. And I said, oh, yes, Lord, I'll do that. He put it on my heart to pray for that, and then he manifested it. But let me tell you what I didn't see coming. Upon arriving, he has deepened my faith and allowed me to partner with so many people, staff and and prayer team. I I didn't see all of that, who are committed to the glory of God and to the good of the people, God had more. He had more than what I just had asked him for. And taking steps of faith in his direction, he begins to reveal the more that I had no idea about. See, some of you have arrived here and said, I just want to attend church. Now some of you are singing, amen. You're praying, you're serving, you're leading. Why? Because God had more. He had more for you and I to be able to do. As we read, on the third day, it says that Abraham looked up, saw the place in the distance, and he told the servants, here, stay behind. Me and the boy, that's Isaac. We're going to go worship, and we are going to come back. I just love how the Bible works together because if you flip over to the book of Hebrews, that's a long flip too because that's way in the New Testament, and we're going to read that to you. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says that gives us insight on Abraham's attitude. Let me read it for you. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God has said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham was determined that he could count on God. He knew that uh, God would multiply his seed like the stars through Isaac. 
He just didn't know how that he was going to do it. He didn't know how. But he did know who. Have you ever been faced with that dilemma? You don't know how, but you know who? Some years ago, it seems like in the middle of the night, I had a baton passed to me that I didn't necessarily see coming in space and time. When my grandfather had passed off the scene, he went to be with the Lord. Then all of a sudden, I had the responsibility of caring for my mother and my sister. Now, my mother has multiple sclerosis, and my sister is bipolar schizophrenic. Then all of a sudden, the responsibility began to weigh down on me. And I'm trying to figure out, I saw what my my grandfather was doing. I love my mom. I love my sister. And all of a sudden, I let God, I don't know how, but I definitely know who. And some of you are facing some tough circumstances as caregivers or things, and you're trying to figure it out, and you don't, haven't quite figured out the how, the, the, the how you're going to do it, and you don't have it all scripted out, but you may not know how. But as you take steps of faith in God's direction, you're going to see the who. And the who will show you how. And sometimes the script changes. I was saying earlier at the first service that sometimes it seems like that these responsibilities have a meeting without me there. Anybody have a meeting without you there? And they decide, we're all going to attack them at the same day at the same time. Well, there's responsibility to do this for your mom and this for your sister and this such a job and this for somebody else and this for that. We're just going to have a convention right there in his mind. <clears throat> and I'm not going to lie to you. There are times where I feel torn. God, what, the, what, do, what do I do? But he said, just give it to me. You may not know how, but you know who, and I'm going to guide you through, and that's what he will do for you. You don't always have to have it all figured out, but, but turn it over to the Lord. We're about a year into this beautiful marriage strategy that we have as a church. where We're reducing the divorce filings and the five zip codes that surround us by simultaneously, and that's the website. I give you that because they go, seeds of faith. One day you're going to be a part of that. Somebody say amen. <laughs> but we also are allowing marriages to be enriched through getting together through a 14-week format. But also, and you see a picture there, we're also preparing seriously dating or engaged couples before they say, I do. There's preparation before promise. And we had a fellowship, and that was a picture of that, just Everybody getting together. Now, I, what I do remember is I remember when Talbot shared this beautiful marriage strategy with our staff. And he talked about the zip codes and all those other things. And the more he shared, 
the more I said, boy, that's a big ass, Lord. That's a real big ass. And I not just felt the calmness of the Holy Spirit spoke to us as a team. Big ass, who do we serve? A great big God. Amen? So no matter what, how big the thing that you're facing, we serve a great big God that has the ability to do what we can't do in our own ingenuity, strength, and power. But somebody say, God can. can. There's some people that are in the building. What God has is there one witness in the building. God has done it. He's demonstrated what he's able to do. Take a look at verses 6 to 8. Let me read that for you. It says this. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Do you hear the tension that's there in the text? Well, we've done worshiping the Lord as a sacrifice. I see everything but but the sacrifice. But how did Abraham answer his son? What did he say? He said, God will provide. God will provide. Say that with me. God will provide. God will provide. Let me read you verses 9 through 14. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up there in the thicket And he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. After the altar was built, wood arranged, Abraham turned to Isaac, who was old enough to carry the wood, but also old enough to run away. But he settled down and he didn't. He became a willing participant in what God was doing. And he laid there, trusting in his father, Abraham. Faith in his father's love, faith in the covenant. How many times had he heard from his father? that he was going to be the heir of the promises of a great nation, two movements to count. It was going to be through him that all the nations would be blessed. He would inherit a land. So he, he believed, and then he settled down and allowed God to do what he was going to do. God called out and stopped Abraham. He said, Abraham, stop. I never wanted Isaac's life. 
I wanted total devotion. Now I know that you fear God. That's what we read. So Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh. He memorialized that experience with God so that others would hear and know that we serve Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. The beauty of that is summed up in what I wanted to share with you today is this. God's provision is greater than our petition. Because let me tell you a satisfying truth. God will give you more than what you're asking for. Is there a witness in the building? Well, God will give you more. He'll give you more than what you're asking about. Abraham found treasure not in trusting himself, but trusting in the Lord. What would it be like if God only gave us what we wanted, and withheld what we needed? What would our lives be like if that were to happen? He discovered that he can let go. Check this out. He can let go. Y'all, that's chapstick. He can let go what's in his hand because he discovered that he himself was in God's hand. And God is guiding him, directing him, providing for him. And I realized that when we know who we're handing it over to, there's a peace that settles down into our hearts. I hope I don't get in trouble for this, y'all, but me, me, uh, ever since our daughter Cassidy, my wife is over to say, well, he getting ready to share. Ever since our daughter Cassidy was a little girl, I got pictures of her every stage of life. We, we have pictures of her. I've been praying for her. I've been praying that God would use her in a significant way for his glory. Now, I'm not just praying for her. I pray for all our kids to be used. Amen? <laughs> then all of a sudden, she gives us a call, and I can't tell you the destination because then they really kill me, but she said, Dad, I need you to pray for me because I'm going to accept a position for almost a year where I'm going to be serving overseas. And where she's going to be serving is like a, a hot spot. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I began to say, well, hold on, Lord. Remember that conversation that we had? Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Come on, now, we got to talk about that. But then I realized, we realized, who we're handing her over to. He's the one that made her and fashioned her. her his purposes take greater precedence than ours and even our parenting. Because we're trusting in God above ourselves. Abraham discovered he doesn't have to always have all the answers. He just has to turn over what he has to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit may be tugging on your heart. Well, you're holding tightly your kids and your employment, your opportunity. I'm not saying go out, out here, don't say he told me to get rid of all of that. No, that's not what we said. But the responsibility has got to be turning everything over to him. God provided a ram as a substitute for Isaac. God, Jehovah Jireh, provided his son as a lamb for us whose name is Jesus. What a story we have with Abraham and Isaac. What a God behind it all. 
And I love the way that the scripture works in concert together because what about that God? That same God gave us his son whom he loved, his only begotten son, just like Abraham loved Isaac. See, the language in Genesis and John is, is the same, and, and that's for a reason. But do you see the difference? What Abraham didn't do, God did. The sacrifice that Abraham didn't have to make, our God did. You can't see the ram in the bush without next seeing the Savior on a hill and on a cross who died for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but will have everlasting life. Father Abraham didn't have to go through with it. God the Father, because of his love for you and for me, he did, and he did it for a purpose because we needed salvation. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. And he provided it, and he gave us more, more than what we asked for. We, we thought that we just, just give me a ticket that's going to get me into heaven. He said, no, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit so you can live for me while you're still on earth before you get there. God gives us more. Because God's provision is greater than our petition. He'll give us more when we take steps of faith in his direction. He's calling you to release and let go. But you're handing it over to him. That's the best hands that you can hand anything over to. Amen? His provision it's greater than our petition because God will give you more, more than what you're asking for. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us pray. God, thank you that you are God who provides and what you've provided for us and your son Jesus has literally changed our lives. And God, anything that we're holding on to, we pray that your Holy Spirit will take from our hands as you want to. As we're handing things that we consider our mind and give it to you for safekeeping. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love for us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Let all who agree say together, amen.